Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Ethan Skolnick here for the Five Reasons Sports Network and the Five on the Floor podcast. Before we get to today's episode, I want to tell you about one of the great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network and of this podcast. And of course, that is Auto Nation. That's the largest retailer from coast to coast. They're friendly and knowledgeable staff here in South Florida will help you save big on a huge selection of new cars, trucks, and SUVs, Toyota, Honda, Chevrolet, Mercedes Benz, and much, much more. And if you're looking to buy pre owned, Shop Auto Nation's huge selection of one price pre owned vehicles, clearly marked with one price their lowest price guaranteed. You want to get rid of that old car? Turn it in for cash today. Get a top dollar offer and a check the very same day. They'll buy your car with no purchase necessary. But here's the most important thing you need to take from this ad. You have to DM us at 5 Reason Sports. That's the number 5 Reasons Sports. Two S's there in the middle. And all you got to do is let us know that you're interested in buying or leasing a car. What will we do? We'll give your information to an AutoNation senior manager. Don't just deal with somebody on the floor. You're going to deal with somebody high up, a big wig. They're going to walk you through the entire buying process. So DM us at Five Reasons Sports. We've already had a bunch of people who've had a great experience with this. If you're looking to buy or sell a car, lease a car, why don't you do that too? So that's AutoNation.com. And now on to today's episode. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a Miami Heat and NBA podcast from Ethan Skolnick with Alvon Sydney, a.k.a. ALF954, brought to you by the Five Reasons Sports Network. It's been said that you have the most quote-unquote drip yeah. in your rookie class. Yeah. Of course. No question about that. Yeah. <laughs> who's, who's, who's second? Uh, who's second? I really don't know. I don't pay attention to other people, how they dress. I just worry about myself. It's just your drip is what's most important. Yeah. All right. That is Tyler Harrow. Sorry. Hero. Harrow. I never know what to do with that, Alf. He said hero. He said hero, and he was one tonight. But that interview was actually from up at training camp in West Palm Beach at Kaiser University. I think I did that on Friday. And, of course, I was referring to his dress, not his play. But both apply. I'm but here the, with Alpha. The drip translated to the court tonight. It, it did. It translates to everything but his interviews, actually. I think that eventually <laughs> will come. So, even Skolnick here, we're in a little room at American Airlines Arena. We can still call it that because they haven't named it anything else yet. After the Miami Heat's first preseason game, a big win against the San Antonio Spurs by a score of 107 to 89. And, of course, everybody tonight, as we record this, is talking, Alf, about Tyler Hero. He was one of six players for the Heat in double figures. And of those players in double figures, five of those players, 23 years old or younger. The only one who's not is Jimmy Butler. We'll get to his play a little bit later. We're going to go through five points on the preseason opener against the Spurs. But first, Tyler Hero, what was most impressive to you when he came off the bench? Um, immediately, I think, I think his first shot was that step back three, which was amazing. Um, what 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 was most most impressive to me was that the stuff that he did in summer league translated to an and I know it's a preseason game, but he's against real NBA players, not borderline, not fringe, 
real NBA players, and the things that he was doing in college, the things that he was doing in summer league, they all translated somehow, not somehow, we know how, uh, through hard work and all that other stuff they talk about. Um, it translated to the floor tonight. Mm-hmm. He, we were, not we, we kind of felt good about him, especially with the way that we heard the Heat talk about him. But a lot of people were afraid that that stuff wouldn't translate. Could he get space? Could he get his shot off? Could he do all these things that he did so well in college? Could he play? Could he create? Could he get into the lane and do that little push shot? He did all of that, and all of that translated to an NBA game. And I know it's preseason. I know it's game one. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. I mean, they crowned Zion Williamson uh, from la- from the other night, and Tyler had a better game than he did. So I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. I'm not calling him an all-star. But what I am saying is that he proved tonight that his game translates to an NBA game. Yeah, and the biggest part of his game that had to translate, you mentioned it, is the toughest thing for a shooter at this level when you first break in the league, particularly when you're 19 years old and you don't have electrifying quickness, is finding space. Because you have to find your own space at times. Because if you come into the into the league with a reputation as a shooter, that is the first thing they're going to take away on the scouting report. We're going to close out on this guy when he's spotting up. What Tyler Harrow did tonight was not spotting up. What Tyler Harrow did was with the ball in his hands, creating that space. And he did it without – now, of course, Jimmy Butler, in his great praise of Tyler Harrow after the game, I think he used the word sneaky, which is a little <laughs> bit of a catch word. Sneaky, shifty. Uh, shifty for your, you know, gym rat, uh, which we <laughs> talked about on the night that Tyler Harrow was drafted. I know Cold Jimmy words. doesn't mean anything by it, but, it, it, it look, it's, it's the culture, right? I mean, the culture is you see a white kid who comes in who can shoot, and the first thing you think is he probably doesn't crafty. move that well. Crafty. But we've made these comparisons too, and I asked Tyler Harrow – there's another clip you didn't have there, but – I asked him when I spoke to him Friday, I said, look, you've been compared to J.J. Redick, to Mike Miller. I said, these guys all seem to have something in common. Do you like any of these comparisons? He said, no, I'm me. Yep. And, and his game is different. And the name that keeps coming up is that he's the quote-unquote white Clay Thompson. Now, that's pretty high praise. Clay Thompson, when healthy, is a top 25 player in the league, maybe higher than that. I don't know if I see that I don't in him see that. I, I don't see that. I don't see that in his frame. I don't see that. In basically the style, he plays a little bit more stylistically than Clay does. Clay mm-hmm. is more of a, I mean, I'm not gonna say he's like a plain Jane, but it's like Clay has his games and his game of what he's good at, and it's not necessarily putting the f- ball on the floor, no, put shots in the lane. He can't finish. Uh, it, the joke in, in Golden State is they call them clay ups because he can't <laughs> he can't finish around the rim. I mean, we talk about the problems that Justice has had at times of the course of his career. Like, Clay has had that problem throughout his career, but he's still an elite player because of, A, the way he defends, which is not something necessarily that is going to be Tyler's forte when he first comes in the league, but also, obviously, Clay is just a great shooter with great range. Now, Tyler has that range, but the shots he was taking tonight were not easy, comfortable looks. They were looks, like I said, that he was creating. And here's the biggest takeaway I took from this on him tonight. Other than Butler's comments, which you should listen to, we, you know, I put them on at Ethan J. Skolnick, and they're funny because Tyler, when Tyler walked by, Jimmy stopped praising him and started belittling him, and then he came back, he left again. He's like, oh, he's great. The city's going to love him. But the biggest takeaway for me was when Tyler went to the bench after he had a scoring spree, they just like slapped his hand like it was normal. Yeah. And I don't think it's because they don't like him. I think it's because they've seen this in practice. They've seen this 
in the workouts. Jimmy saw this when the two of them were together in Chicago. Like, this is normal now. Like, they're what we saw tonight, we were blown away by it. Fans yeah, they're, not, surpri- they're, they're not, not surprised. surprised. They're not surprised. They're not surprised. Like, this is who, and, and you and I have talked about this on prior podcasts. The biggest way that you know that a player belongs in the NBA is how his peers react to him. And the way that his peers have reacted to him this all offseason has been this guy belongs in the NBA and can play right now. And so let's get to the next part of this, which is part two of the podcast, because Tyler plays into this. The lineups today were fascinating. And I don't think you're going to see a lot of them Wednesday night in Charlotte because it's the it's the second night of a back-to-back and a five-game preseason. This is the throw. You're going to get a lot of none. Akpala, none Chris played Silva. very little tonight. Akpala, Akpala played, played very, very little, little tonight. Silva. Silva played some minutes and was and contributed. We'll talk about him. But you're going to see the other guys, Martin, the other guys towards the back end of the roster. They want to figure out if there's some two-way players in there. You are not going to see – you may see the starters, but you're not going to see them very long. And and, I, and you're going to see some different combinations. So let's let's put away this game this game two tomorrow night against Charlotte. I, I don't think it has any great significance other than our Greg Sylvander lefty life is going to be up there, and he will chronicle it for us. He'll be on the road. But this this game and then games three through five were the games to watch. And what I took out of this today, and this is point two, is, and I asked Jimmy this, they, they have so many different ways they can go from a lineup standpoint. And the, the fine line that, that Eric has to walk this year is making sure the versatility is a strength. He's going to say that, but you have to do that and have guys understand their role. So let's look at the lineup today and how we think it projects. You and I were stunned by what they threw out there. Yeah, I, I w- we were stunned. We we liked the fact that it was it was a big lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably one of the biggest lineups the Heat have had in years because we're so used to the undersized guards, the Tyler Johnsons, even Dwayne Wade's a smaller guard, the Rodney Magruder's at small forward. Tonight you had a starting lineup where we talked about it. The backcourt was two six six guys, and Jimmy and Justice play way bigger than 6'6". Six, six. Both of them do. They both play more like 6'7", six, 6'8", six, guys. So that was your starting backcourt. Then you had Duncan Robinson, which was the biggest surprise. Um, then you, And Myers Leonard and Bam, and Bam Adebayo. And we knew, uh, we, we had an inkling that Myers Leonard was going to start because Kelly Olynyk was out. And without Kelly, Myers is almost the most natural fit. The Duncan Robinson, uh, Duncan Robinson thing was kind of a surprise. I don't know how much that he's actually going to play in a regular season because uh, he was bad tonight. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, he had a lot of open looks and he missed them. And for him to play, he's got to make open looks because defensively, he's still a bit of a liability. I think what you're looking at right now is Eric Spolster is trying to put. It's always a lot of times about the bench with him. And Eric Spolster right now, I think, is looking at getting, trying to recapture that magic with Goran Dragic and Dion Waiters off the bench. And if that's the case, if you look at what they put out today and you look at what Tyler Harrow did, we are not far away, I'm going to say it here on the pod, from Tyler Harrow starting for the Miami Heat. Because you're, you're going to try to keep, if you're going to try to keep Dion, if, look, if you're going to try to keep Dion and Goran together, then what makes the most sense is to slide Harrow in with Butler and Winslow and then he, Eric keeps talking about we have everybody but KO. He, he, he doesn't mention James Johnson. No. He keeps saying we have everybody but KO, which means I think it's in their mind that they want to put a spacing big next to Bam Adebayo. So right now it's Myers Leonard and Silva's getting those minutes off the bench. 
but eventually it's going to be Kelly Olenek next to Bam Adebayo. That's a combination that has worked, and Myers Leonard becomes the big off the bench. And then you're essentially bringing off the bench Myers Leonard, Derek Jones Jr., Goran Dragic, and Deion Waiters is your primary four with maybe some James Johnson mixed in. But Tyler Harrow ends up going from basically he was with the third guard back, third backcourt today to the first backcourt. I think that's what they're prepping us for. I think that's why they put Goran and Dion together. I asked Alf, uh, you know, I, Alf, I asked Eric after the game about Goran and the way he's moving, and he said he, he likes where he's, go, he's going right now, but he also said, uh, you know, he likes him and Harrow together because of their skill set. And I know that made Nikias cringe or Nikias Duncan. I think it made the, a lot of heat toward her cringe. Because I think that defensively that's going to be a bit of a struggle. But I think that's where we're headed. I think we're headed towards a lineup ultimately – of Olenek, uh, excuse me, Bam, Olenek, Butler, Harrow, Winslow. And if you look at that lineup, I think he made he made a statement today, right? He he belongs on the court, whether it's starting uh, or in a backup role with heavy minutes. And then what I liked, I liked that there was that lineup that they that they came out with with Derek Jones Jr. in the power forward spot. That was maybe my favorite lineup of the night. Because the way that Tyler and Winslow moved together, complemented by Jimmy, they made they created a lot of space for Jimmy Butler to work, and that was just that lineup with Bam Adebayo, Derek Jones Jr., Justice Winslow, and Jimmy Butler was a defensive nightmare on the other side. Now, what was cool going back to the Goran Dragic, Deion Winslow second unit, and we were talking about this all night. The Spurs second unit could not keep up with that Heat bench; they just couldn't. The, the, the Heat second unit just completely outclassed the Spurs second unit. And I don't think that is a fluke. I don't think it's the Spurs coming off, uh, coming off to a slow start. I don't think the Spurs are playing and the bench guys. I don't care what the excuse is. I think this is going to be a huge thing going forward. The second unit of Goran Dragic, De- uh, Deion Waiters, if whatever James jo- Johnson comes back, Derek Jones Jr., uh, either it's Kelly Olynyk or it's Myers Leonard. Myers Leonard and uh, Myers and Goran played really well together out there tonight. And yes, on paper it looks like a bad defensive lineup, but we commented Myers got after it defensively. So a lot of the times with the Heat system, as long as these guys are active and they're working hard, they're fine. So even if Dion or Goran isn't in the starting lineup, I actually think it's the better move, and I think we both said that probably around All-Star break we're going to see Tyler Hero on the starting lineup. I think we're both wrong. I think game one of the regular season he starts. Yeah, I think he's going to start too, and and I, I think they're prepping for that unless he has some major setback here over the next few games, and I think they wanted to see him in live action. They've seen him in live action now. I think he will get some run tomorrow night in Charlotte. He will be one of the guys that gets run. Maybe they give Dion a bit of a break. Maybe Gore, I think Goran probably gets a rest tomorrow night, at least doesn't play these kind of minutes. But I think that's where we're headed. I, I think this has all been this offseason about you know accelerating Tyler Harrow because they believe that they need his skill set. And if he is going to translate the way he's translated, he looked tonight the same as Summer League. You never see that. And, look, I, I've covered a lot of rookies here going back to 1996, okay, like, and a lot of rookies who flamed out. And I'm not comparing him to Dwayne, but I can tell you from a confidence standpoint, I don't remember another one who had that. Justice didn't really have it his first year. Remember Josh 
you know, bounced around that first year and ended up, you know, going back and forth on flights to the, then the D league. They have not had a lot of rookies who jumped out. You know who did Rio jumped out from the very beginning. Rio looked like an NBA player. player he looked like an NBA one, player yeah. more than Beasley did from the very beginning. Norris, Norris Cole did a little bit. Norris as well. Cole had some moments. And then you remember the game against Boston early in the season, but there's a different level of confidence with this kid. The shots that he was taking, I don't want to dwell on him too much tonight, but the shots that he was taking, like coming off a curl and having no angle to the basket and creating the space with the step back and never thinking he was going to do anything but shoot it. Now, that could piss off veterans, except that he's good. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so if, if he's good, then it changes the whole dynamic of this. I um, want to get to, to uh, point number three here, and that's Bam Adebayo. And Bam's activity was terrific tonight. You mentioned the rebounding. Him and Myers Leonard at one point had out-rebounded the Spurs between them. We've talked about the issue with Bam Adebayo potentially, you know, not being an elite rebounder last year. Now, he was better when he became a full-time starter, but his rebounding was terrific tonight. But the one play that symbolized everything for me, you know, and I asked him the, the little interview we did that was on our previous podcast about his offensive game, but also him wanting to get out and run. They want to have five live on the break. Three like our three oh five live. They want to have five live on the break and shameless plug. Shameless plug. And then Bam, you know, essentially, uh, you know, was was leading the break at least three times tonight. But the play of the game to me from him was Lamarcus Aldridge has made a living now for more than a decade, and a lot of that is an all star with that baseline turnaround jumper. That is his bread and butter. I mean, he's a great spot up player too. But I mean, he he is Lamarcus Aldridge is a throwback player. He's not a terrific post player anymore. He's not a great defender. He doesn't play above the rim. But that mid range game that he has, I mean, they're the Spurs are a mid range team now. That mid range game that he has is as good as any in the league. He had a turnaround baseline jumper. Bam read it. Bam played it. Bam didn't let him go anywhere. He blocked it. Unlike Hassan, he kept it. And then he ignited the break. And to me, that's the Bam Adebayo experience that I think all of us have been waiting for them to unleash for 32 to 35 minutes a night. And you said it today. He and Jimmy Butler are going to lead this team in minutes. And, and because Bam can do, I don't think he's elite at anything yet. But I but think he can he's do very so many good things. at everything. And yeah, that's where he had a couple, I mean, he had a couple dribble drives where he completely faked out a defender. He had drives where he had a little up and under today. Um, the one thing, and I, I don't want to call it concerning because it's game one of the preseason. One of the things he worked on all summer was that little jump shot in the lane. And that is going to be crucial. If he gets that, he can't be defended, right? So he needs that shot. And he's going to make that shot. And I'm confident that he's going to get he's going to get to it, and he's going to and it's going to be part of his arsenal because he was doing it all preseason. I mean, uh, in training camp, even the red, white, and pink game, like he was doing, um, he was making that shot. So I'm not that concerned about it. But the fact that he's been unleashed, and we talked about that, that he's been unleashed, it feels like everybody on this team is like, all right, guys, you've been around here two, three years. Go out there, play your game. Do 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 what you feel comfortable comfortable with, and sometimes go even outside. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly two million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than fifty percent of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? 
Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Out of your comfort zone, because now I feel like these guys are not—they're not the kids anymore. We probably got to start calling them the kids. Well, I, I have a nickname for them, uh, and I hate to do this before we go to the break, but I—I kind of want to call them the Bucket Babies. <laughs> and, and I know our Adam Smoot hates that nickname, but I—I I was look. I never got credit for this, Alf. Both either of these. When I used to see Damon Jones attached to Shaq's leg at all times when they're together, I referred to them as Shrek and Donkey in a column, and everybody picked that up. And then I referred to the Big Three Heat. I was the first in a column in the Sun Sentinel, you can find it, that called them the Heatles. LeBron must have read the column because the very next day he was referring to themselves as the Heatles, and he had a T-shirt printed up within 24 hours after that, and I totally lost it. So I'm not going to lose this, Alf. I'm calling <laughs> wait, them. Wait, wait, We need to find this T-shirt, guys. Uh, we're going to find No, we have it. Well, we have a T-shirt, guys. Oh, yeah. Smooth. Okay. <laughs> The Bucket Babies, all right? We've got Bucket and the Babies. Today, six guys at double figures, five of them 23 years or younger, and Tyler Harrow is one of them. It's a terrible nickname, but I'm going with it, and we're going to get some more after. It's going to make a great shirt. It's going to be a great shirt. We're going to put the Muppet Babies in there. All right, we'll be get to, in, in, uh, in a minute after a word from Jax. We'll get to Jimmy Butler. All right, there are a lot of events in South Florida that you've got to go to, but if you can only pick one. Yeah, come on now. This is the one. I'm with Jason Jackson. You know him as the Jack Show. It's the third year of this event. I don't want to disparage the guys that you roasted before. You shouldn't. But there's one three. Yeah. So what do you got going on? Jack Celebrity Roast Volume 3, 4-3. Like, this was always in the making, all the way back to when we started in 2016 with Irie first and then uh, Jason Taylor. But uh, on October 12th at uh, One Hotel uh, South Beach, we are roasting Dwayne Wayne. We've got Chris Spencer, Razor Davis, um, Jimmy Butler on the podium, as well as Udonis Haslam. I'm giving you a breaking story. That's not fully confirmed, but uh, we'll all be together on October 12th. Everybody can get tickets at jackscelebrityroast.com. Uh, do not bring your mother, your faith healer, or your kids. Sounds like a plan. So where do they go again? Where do they get it? Jackcelebrityroast.com. Buy your tickets now. There aren't many left. All right. All right, Ethan Skolnick back here uh, talking about the Bucket Babies. I'm going to make that stick if it's the last damn thing. It's going to be a really good shirt. You remember those Looney Tunes shirts back in the day? They're, they're perfect. I mean, just you With have, like you Larry have, Johnson and Muggsy Bowl. You have Jimmy, oh. Jimmy's Miss Piggy. I mean, how do we, how do, we do this? So, so Million let, dollar idea. Let, let, that's right. I need one. Uh, let's t- <laughs> let's no, we all. No, we all. Let's talk about, uh, let's talk about Jimmy Butler. we got here. lawyers to pay for. Well, anyway. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about Jimmy Butler because uh, I didn't think you were going to go there. Uh he didn't score his first basket today until halfway through the second quarter. He was 0 for 3. And we've talked about, you know, it's funny. There's this little push-pull where Spolster keeps talking about what, it, what a great playmaker he is and let the game, lets the game come to him. When we had Spo on the podcast um, and I had asked him about uh, Jimmy's usage rate, which is not high for a superstar. It's like in the mid-20s, which is – it, whether he's a star or a superstar, most of those guys have him in the high 20s, no, low 30s. If you're Westbrook or Harden, they're in the high 30s, sometimes touching 40, which basically means the percentage of possession time that you're using. Now, he uses he doesn't use as much as other guys, and he didn't tonight. Now, I, I had heard he was a little under the weather. Maybe that played into it some, but he let the game come to him, and I think we and then he got going a little bit. He ended up with, I think, 10 points or something like that. He shot 50% from the floor. 
But I think we saw a little bit of a preview of how he wants to approach this team. And I do think Spolster and Riley have a little different perspective on this based on their comments. Spo has talked about him being a playmaker. Pat said to me, response to a question I asked Pat at the press conference, you know, about his style of play. And he basically said that, uh, you know, sometimes he needs to just go for it. Do you think this is the Jimmy Butler we're going to see where maybe the first three quarters are kind of him doing a little bit of everything, feeling out the game, facilitating, and then the fourth quarter, like it was for Philadelphia, is is sort of Jimmy time? Well, that's always been his game, right? He's always kind of – he's let the game come to him. I do think he's going to – and but now I do remember when he was in Chicago and he was really the lone bright spot, the lone superstar on that team. He did – there. he didn't wait – you know what I mean? He didn't wait around for things to happen. So I do think a lot of this was the same way that you and I are watching this team and feeling them out and trying to see what's going on and who, you know, can Tyler do this? Can Duncan do this? How's Justice going to handle the starting role from day, from from game one of the regular season? I think Jimmy was feeling them out too. And I think it was purposeful the way he played. He was over, he started over 3, and I, I commented this uh, on Twitter and we talked about it. Those three shots were not in rhythm shots. They were at the end of the shot clock. They were under duress. They, you know, the offense stalled, and he did what he had to do to try to get a shot off. And then eventually he got comfortable, and he not, he, he put in ten points. I don't think he's going to be this relaxed going forward, but I do think this is a preview of things to come. He's going to let the game come to him, and he's not going to force anything. Yeah, and I don't think he's forced anything with his teammates either. And Alex and I did a podcast on this about sort of the way that Jimmy has approached that. And, you know, I I think it's been really smart and it's amazing. The social media reaction, I know you monitor this, to Jimmy Butler has been fascinating to me because I never thought that this town would be able to, which has become, in my view, a basketball town. I never thought that it would be able to get over LeBron and then Bosch, and then Dwayne. And I feel like they've just latched on with another love interest here. Like, and it's it's different. Like, and and this, uh, on Twitter, some people went at me. They didn't understand what I was trying to say. We love stars, man. But we it's not stars. just stars. Look, LeBron James, and I am the biggest LeBron stan in this town, right? I mean, personally and professionally. I mean, you know, I was I backed LeBron on everything he did down here because I thought that he was unfairly maligned and I got to know him personally and I don't agree with all the passive aggressive stuff he does inside a team but at the same time I have enormous respect for a lot of the everything he's accomplished and and the way he goes about some of his other business and the way he treats people because I I've, I experienced that firsthand but I will tell you that Jimmy Butler is a better fit for Miami than LeBron James Jimmy LeBron James was never comfortable being the villain and I I had many conversations with him about this the first year I remember in Portland okay you remember that road trip that first West Coast swing they had not the one where Bosch made the shot where LeBron and Dwayne were out but the one that first game where LeBron embraced the villain thing for the first time I think the game went to overtime and I remember asking him about it are you finally comfortable with this and he said he was comfortable and then I could tell he didn't really mean it he was never comfortable being the villain he likes to be liked 
he he wanted people to embrace him, and at the same time, I don't think he ever fit the Miami attitude, which is basically bleep you. That's sort of our attitude towards the rest of the country. You don't understand us. You think we're just a tropical paradise. People actually work hard here. Yes, we have terrible freaking drivers. Yes, we have corrupt politicians. Okay, and yes, we have beautiful beaches, but we're not. That's not what we are. It's the same thing as when people put a uh, you know a blimp over whatever it is over Miami Gardens, and they say it's South Beach. Yeah. Nobody. Nobody, nobody understands us down here, and I don't think LeBron, with the exception of doing that fancy, you know, that bike ride, what was that thing called that he and Dwayne always did? They did that bike ride. Yeah, in the city. and then he had that commercial going through the city. But he he never really embraced it that way. He didn't do a ton of charity stuff here. He didn't. Jimmy like comes down here, and the first freaking thing he does is go to Little Havana and play dominoes, which is the most Miami thing you can and possibly do. Like, he was. Right, and 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 then so and in West Palm Beach, he was looking for a paddle ball game at four in the morning. I, I just I, I I think that Jimmy Butler, from a personality standpoint, fits this market better than LeBron does. It doesn't mean he's going to accomplish the same things. It doesn't mean he's the same kind of player. So please stop going back at me on Twitter about that. He's never nobody's going to repeat Dwayne's oh eight oh nine, and especially LeBron's twelve thirteen. It's not going to happen. And maybe Jimmy never wins a title here. But I think in terms of embracing him, it's gone pretty much perfectly. And there's also a bunch of this guys guys on this team who want to embrace the same personality, and Harrow is one of them. And that's why I think Jimmy likes him so much. Well, and if you look at it, and here's the thing about Miami. As a city, as a town, South Florida, West Palm Beach to Key West, right? It's not that we're villains or that we want to be hated. We just don't give a shit about what you think about us. Why? Because look where we live. We're happy. We're fine, right? And it, people hate on us. And yes, when they do get on us, if you've ever been on Heat Twitter, you will see that we can clap back with the best of them, right? But for the most part, we'd rather just be left alone. And I kind of feel like that's the Jimmy Butler, Tyler Hero thing. And Justice has a bit of that. Bam has a bit of that. Bam has it now. Bam has it now. I don't think he always had it, but this suburb. This suburb whatever happened in the USA. Whatever happened. He, all he said to me was politics. That's all. That he hasn't watched any other games. He will not say but, specifically what happened. So it's not even just about being a villain. It's about almost like being like being yourself and being comfortable within your own skin. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing that no shade at LeBron. I don't know. Even up until recently, has LeBron ever looked like somebody who's comfortable in his own skin? I I think he's gotten uh, more comfortable over the years. But, but Jimmy ha- doesn't have any of those qualms. No, no, no. Jimmy, Jimmy is no. Jimmy is his own man. And look, I, I think we got to get back to this before we get to point five. Nobody knows this city as an athlete, and nobody knows this organization as an athlete, and nobody knows Jimmy Butler in the NBA better than Dwayne Wade. And Dwayne Wade basically made a, a match. That's essentially what happened here. And he's going to make the next one because it's going to be Bradley Beal or Victor Oladipo most likely. And those are both guys that have come up idolizing Dwayne. In Oladipo's case, it was more direct because of Tom Crean. But uh, Dwayne knew who would fit this city. And what's interesting is Dwayne's personality doesn't fit this city as well as Butler's does, but Dwayne had enough of those moments. This is my house. Danilo Gallinari makes him bleed, okay, and he gets that. Like, he had that. Dwayne understood this market's need to be loved, okay? All right, Dwayne understood that, I think, better than any athlete ever has. But in terms of this bleep you attitude, I don't give a bleep, Dwayne cared, 
Dwayne cares what, not to the degree LeBron does. He doesn't need the validation that LeBron has always needed. They're, that's, they're different in that way. But Dwayne cared about what people thought of him, okay? His image mattered to him. Jimmy doesn't care. It's just different. All right, let's get to number five here, which is did anybody else impress us this offseason? And I'm looking, uh, excuse me, this game. And the one guy who jumps out, because they only played, look, they played, I'm looking at this right now, I mean, really, Kendrick Nunn played seven minutes. So they played 10 guys, Spolster played 10 guys between 14 and 27 minutes today. Uh, Derek Jones Jr. actually played the most and, and was, was actually the second highest in the team, a plus 28. I want to go, I know we don't look at plus minus, uh, you know, but Eric does sometimes. I thought this was interesting. Uh, and then we'll get to the, the one player kind of jumped out at us. Tops on the team. Uh, Tyler Harrow, plus 29 in 24 minutes. All the rest of the guys were in that bench group. Waiters was plus 24. Derek Jones Jr., plus 28. Dragic, plus 20. The guy I'm going to mention in second, Chris Silva, was plus 11 in 14 minutes. The starters, Duncan was a minus 8. Yeah, he was a wor- he was the uh, lowest on the team. In 19, uh, Jimmy Butler was a minus 6. Justice is minus 2. Myers was a minus 1. Bam Adebayo was a plus 3. Let's get to the guy that kind of jumped out here because none, Akpala, Macon, and Mulder all got some minutes towards the end of the game, but really they played 10. Chris Silva, I, you know, I said on the last podcast that he didn't do a lot with Alex. I didn't, he didn't do a lot for me in Summer League. I felt like there was me an neither. opportunity there for him. He didn't really take advantage of it. Um, Yante Maton got cut. They kept Silva. I know our Chris Kaufman, who usually scouts NFL players, but he loved Chris Silva the day he signed. I guess he'd done some, some tape work on him, <laughs> the too. Old, he, he's just a big Chris Silva stand. He, he's a big Chris Silva <laughs> stand. Uh, but today, 14 minutes, 16 points, plus 11, 6 of 8 from the field, 4 of 5 from the line. His stroke looked good from there. Nine rebounds and a couple of steals and a couple of blocks. Like, he filled up the box score in 14 minutes without them running anything for him. Eric Spolster used that phrase he always uses with guys on the back end of the roster that he likes, where he says, he made me watch. Does he have a role on this team potentially going forward? Because they're a little short on bigs, and Myers Lennon's in the last year of his contract. I don't think he has a role in the rotation per se, right? Um, is he going to be an every single night kind of guy? I don't think so. But I think he's a kind of guy they better keep on a two-way contract just in case they have an injury. Um, Kelly can't come back. James Johnson takes a lo- takes longer than he, uh, than. Than they than they thought he would. Bam out of bio misses ten games. If any of those things happen to any of those their uh, their front court rotation, they are they they go from okay we have four guys that we trust in those positions to oh, wow we are super shorthanded here and you're gonna get a lot of Derek Jones Jr. at the four, which in some lineups is ideal, but long term is not the move. So yeah, I think. From what we saw tonight, you know, we, we try not to get ahead of ourselves because I remember Ken Birch uh, <laughs> tearing up some preseason games. Uh, Ken Birch, I believe, is out of the league now. Uh, or he's still playing doing summer leagues six years after he got into the league. So not to get ahead of ourselves, but he did look good. He looked comfortable out there, and he looked serviceable. And a lot of times when you're talking about the fourth, you know, the fourth big in your lineup – what you want is somebody serviceable that can play 15 minutes, that can spell bam, and your defense just doesn't go completely down the drain. And he and he looked tonight like he could do that. Yeah, and you want a guy you don't have to run plays for, and he's going to make things happen without running plays for him. And that's kind of how, if you look back, that's kind of how Joel Anthony made the team. 
Like, it was not a guy they were ever going to run a play for. I mean, remember Joel's hands were the worst hands they probably had on this league. But, but he, you know, when he broke in before the big three, right? I mean, he broke in before the big three. It was just he was a runner and a shot blocker, and he played above the rim a little bit. They like that kind of big. They've tried to develop it. They tried with Mikel Gladness. Remember, there was a little bit with him. You mentioned Ken Birch. I think Birch is still in the league. He was with Orlando recently. But he's carved out a little career for himself, but not, you know, Willie Showtime Reed's another guy. Didn't run a lot of plays. I thought he had more talent. Uh, and then there was some debate about whether they re-sign him. But they've had trouble over the years developing bigs. Hassan, for all the slander, is the exception. Hassan was the guy, you know, they just overpaid him. but And he had the wrong attitude for it. But Hassan was the one guy they've developed that's a big, the big three era. They kept trying. They even tried on Greg Oden. They tried on Eddie Curry. They just haven't been able to get that guy. Uh, but Silva was interesting. All right, last question before we go. This is most important. We started the podcast here. Uh, typically, I would not say that I have more drip than anybody, but Alf wears cargo shorts regularly. Now, I, I only do this when I have my daughter, and I know that she's going to give me a bunch of bows and barrettes. you got to have those extra pockets. Right. But but can you po- – I mean, is it possible, considering how often you wear cargo shorts and, and you know, that – you know. You came here wearing jeans and a uh, – you wore a button-down shirt today. It's a nice shirt. It's a nice shirt. Uh, it is. Uh, yeah, and the watch and all the rest of that stuff. It's a nice watch. But, I, I mean, is it possible? Should I pull this? I mean, who has more dr- – can I, can I lose to a person possibly who wears cargo shorts? Oh, listen, listen. Do? I have the least amount of drip. First of all, I barely know what the hell drip means. So, <laughs> like, I, I mean, just off of that alone, I lose. I'm almost, I'm almost 40. I'm a dad. I wear dad shit. I wear Air Monarchs. Like, get off my case, man. I'm not trying to be cool. All right, I'm seven years older than you, and I have more drip than you, and uh, I don't have more drip than Tyler Harrow. Although I, I will guess Tyler Harrow is going to have the most drip on the team this year. So there you go. We're finishing up the podcast there. Uh, before we go, though, we need, to fi- we need to do a poll. Who has the most drip on the network? Um, we've lost a couple that I think would have been up there, but I'll, I'll, I'll debate that. I, I know it's not slim. I'll just say that. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I dress mad. better than Slim. He's going to be mad at me when he gets to this point. Uh, yeah. Well, anyway, I think it's all flannel. So I <laughs> uh, want to tell you about another great spot. So the Five Reasons Sports Network, the Seltzer Mayberg Law Firm. We share an office with them uh, in North Miami. They handle cases from all over the state. They've got someone on call for you 24-7. They also gave away a great Jimmy Butler jersey. They're big sports fans. Eric Katz does some work with the Five Rings Canes account. So you definitely should check them out. Again, they handle cases from all the state, but they will handle – your traffic ticket for about forty nine ninety five. Sometimes a little higher, but typically it comes in there, and they handled mine, got it tossed out. So just a uh, terrific law firm, and again, you can find them at onecalllegal.com. That's onecalllegal.com. We were trying to put out episodes just about every day. Also, I'm supposed to write some for fivereasonsports.com. If I get to it tonight, it's almost midnight. Alf put something up on tonight's game, so make sure you check that out on all of our social media channels. Also, buy our shirts. We've got a new Five on the Floor logo shirt. We've got a Udonis Haslam shirt. Thank you. You should check that out. We already got Udonis his shirts. He was happy about him. New Derek Jones Jr. shirt, and we have a Tyler Harrow on the bucket shirt. So go to our website at Five Reasons Sports. Ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. 
In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.